Welcome to my Beauty Fuel Food by JJ, a yoga and wellness expert from New York living in Paris. JJ seeks out creatives and entrepreneurs who exemplify a vision of how to live a good life. Welcome to our very high vibrational lifestyle. So this afternoon, I have the pleasure to be with Monique, who is the creator of a tongue cleaner changed my life. One thing that has, in fact, changed my life. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, JJ. So happy to be here. So tell me, you're an Australian living in Paris. You've been here for about 10 years. Indeed. Indeed. I have, I came, um, I was a lawyer actually, um, back in the day in Australia and I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't really for me. Um, I love studying it, but then in practice, um, just kind of lacked that creative side. And so about a year, year and a half into uh, law practice, I was like, effort, I'm moving to Paris, going to try and find a job in fashion. And that's how I ended up here. And yeah, never looked back. It's so funny. I feel like so many of us started out in fashion and ended up in this wellness <laughs> place. What did you do when you first got to Paris? I uh, worked for Richemont the the group um i came thinking you know if obviously it's going to be hard to get a job and if i just work in a chocolate shop for a year and then go back then cool that's a, an amazing life experience i wanted that that french experience um and i just got really lucky and i and i got this job i, I targeted sort of the big groups because of the whole visa thing um as any expat will know what i'm kind of talking about um visa struggles and uh and got really lucky landed at richmond and that was an amazing sort of first uh experience in luxury because it was still very corporate so it was like what i was used to um from law firm days um and it was in their internal marketing department so it was not operational it was purely strategic which was amazing as a sort of first experience to then get a really sort of broad overview of the industry that was more about watches and jewelry um and very sort of high-end luxury than fashion itself. Um, but very, very cool experience. Yeah. And at what I know in Australia from Australian friends, I've never had the chance to go and I really want to take the time to enjoy a trip to Australia. But and I'm wondering where your interest in Ayurvedic studies and yoga began. Yeah, I mean, I think that. As you say, you know, so many of us worked in fashion and I think um, it's it's such a cool industry. It allows, you know, the the creative and the, the business side, especially in a country like France, where you've got this big industry surrounding the fashion industry. And it was something that was very sexy to me, you know, growing up, uh, you know, obviously as a female who loved fashion. Um, but then I think now that sort of new luxury is, is moving towards wellness. And so I think it is all... Uh, you know, natural that we are feeling that pull towards wellness. Um, so there's there's that general trend. But then if I look back in, in my personal experience, so as you say, Australia is a little bit, um, you know, we've been on the wellness trend for a long, long time, um, sort of following uh, in LA's footsteps, you know, or places like that, the very outdoorsy places um, where fitness and health um have been a part of the conversation for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, I used to do yoga at school, so it would be part of our um, physical education program. 
um, yoga and meditation. So it goes way back to that. But of course, when you do it when you're young, it's not necessarily something you fully appreciate. Um, and I can't say that I grew up, you know, with parents feeding me macrobiotic food and that kind of thing. Um, but I'd say a very sporty, outdoorsy lifestyle, having grown up in Sydney, an introduction to something like yoga from a very early age. So that, that, and that paved the way for a bit of a, you know, an open mind on, um, on alternative practices and therapies. And then my personality is such that I'm a Vata. So for, for you know, those of you who know Ayurvedic um, doshas, I love to try new things. I'm always exploring. Um, I, I love to try weird experiences. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah, I'll try anything once. So that has led me down many, many weird and wonderful paths in wellness. Um, especially when you experience your first sort of little, I'd say gate opening to something that something slightly spiritual or a physical experience that transcends what you're, you're used to in everyday life or what you've felt before those types of things. Once you've had it once, you know there's this whole other sort of side to wellness and that yeah you want to keep exploring yeah I totally totally hear you and I I kind of like to use this example because I feel like it's so true and it relates to so many of us who um have kind of gone on that yogi uh spiritual path in that like when you start doing yoga when even if you started when you were younger um kind of when you get into this like mode where it really becomes a part of your life it's like at first it's never like amazing like it starts as you're like what mm, okay and then you keep going back and then you can't stop going back and then like you've had this taste and you just want to learn more i totally get it it's like it's like opening pandora's box exactly exactly and it's such a cool box that is you know that you can combine with travel and that through which you meet all these new people and interesting people and a way you have physical experience you're you know you're doing something positive for your body and and your mind and so all of that combined is just yeah it's as you say it's kind of irresistible it, it's uh, it, it has a big sort of magnetic draw towards everything in that sphere that i feel really strongly and i have for such a long time like i was always person out of my friends who would be trying the weird niche new thing um or, or shopping at the like organic grocery store before it was cool and, and not to say at all I'm a trendsetter in that in that sense it's just yeah I love to sort of hop on um those types of trains even when I know that necessary you know there's maybe they're not backed by science or that they or that I know that it's a fad or a trend or something like that. I have fun with it. I really like to explore those types of things. Yeah, I feel the same way as you. And it actually makes me think of the Grate Longue because I was talking to a friend the other day and mm. I'll admit it's not something I've been doing for five years or 10 years or 15 years, but I've been doing it for quite a while now. And I really can't imagine like not doing it at all. And I was talking to a friend, like I just received mine. And I was like, you've never tried it? <laughs> and not even like the trendsetter thing, but for me, it's just like, oh my God. You know, yeah. like there are things like that. They click so much and it just like, it's like life-changing, like a, like a tongue cleaner. So 
Can you tell us a little bit about this idea and why and how you were able to bring it to kind of like the mainstream? Yeah, sure. So it was on actually the first yoga retreat I did um, about eight or nine years ago. Um, and it was an Ayurvedic and yoga retreat. And at the end of the week, and it had been this, you know, for people who have been on yoga retreats, you kind of never forget your first one. Um, it was such an amazing week. You never, feel like, totally. like so good at the end of it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is what it actually feels like to, to feel good, to be well rested, to move every day, to eat the right foods for a week. So, yeah, so we were feeling, you know, like elated and amazing at the end of this week. We'd learned so much about Ayurveda, so many things. And that our teacher said to us, if they're, you know, you were talking about going back into sort of the real world afterwards um, and how it can be really hard to take some of those routines back. And she said, if there is one thing that you take away from this retreat and, and really like implement in your everyday life, let it be a tongue cleaner because it will literally change your life. And we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, oh, Lana, you're so crazy. <laughs> like, you know, obviously that's not the most important thing from this retreat. We've learned so much. But, you know, obviously I listened to her. I bought a tongue cleaner. I took it back. And honestly, it's, I mean, I am so bad at integrating new um, things into my routine over the long term. So I love to try new things and then I'll kind of they'll get left by the wayside usually, especially with, you know, self-care. Um, but this, I mean, I, I started it and I literally have not missed a day now, you know, in eight or nine years. And when I forget it, it's like panic stations and I try and use a spoon and it doesn't work. <laughs> um, it's so like funny. When I forget it when I'm traveling. Yeah. The spoon like kind of, it doesn't work. I can get some off and then you can try and use your teeth or uh, and your toothbrush brush for the rest, but it doesn't really work properly. So, um, yeah, because I mean, it takes 10 seconds. So, I, you know, flossing for me is, it's diff it's a difficult habit to, to do all the time to adopt. This was like 10 seconds. You see exactly what you're scraping off, which is gross. At the time, um, I had just, I used that retreat to sort of kickstart my quitting sugar goal. And I was able to do it for three months. And then I went back on. And because I'd started using the tongue cleaner in the meantime, so I, you know, I saw what I was taking off my tongue when I was off sugar. And then when I started to get back on, I saw the the consistency and the color of the bacteria and the mucus that you take off completely change and that's when i said okay you know hold on this is kind of like this mini 10 second check-in every day with my health because what i was you know if i drank a lot of alcohol if i ate a lot of sugar if my diet was bad i would be scraping more off and then what i then started to notice was when I started to, like when I would get sick or start to get sick, even before I felt the little sort of niggle in my throat, um, I would see the color of what I took off my tongue get darker. So, you know, because your mucus, like if you've got a virus, the mucus sort of gets infected. So it all makes sense. Um, and so for me, it then became a, like a, a really handy tool for immunity of, okay, oh, it's getting darker. I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight. I'm going to drink lots of water. I'm going to stop the sugar. 
and try and nip this thing in the butt. And because I used to get sick all the time in Paris, I think, because I didn't grow up there and it's a big city, I wasn't used to those particular bugs and, and the pollution and all that stuff. And my immune system in the first few years was just like really bad. I'd get sick all the time. And this really allowed me to take more control over that. And so the name, while it's ironic, is is also a bit of a nod to, okay, well, what is that small, tiny change in your routine that can potentially lead to bigger shifts? It doesn't do all the work, but can it make you maybe a little bit more conscious of something else about your health? And then does it open another door for you that then leads to another door that leads you down that rabbit hole? So that's why I called it a tongue cleaner changed my life. Um, and back to your question of why and how. So I've wanted to launch my own business for many years now and, you know, always found a good excuse not to, whether it be funding or haven't found the right partner or, you know, can't decide between the ideas or just didn't feel sort of it was the right moment. And, um, I wanted to launch actually a different product, um, and, and a sort of bigger brand. And I was really looking for a partner for a couple of years. And I came across some really great profiles, but never found that person. It's just like finding a life partner, right? Or even maybe even more complicated, you know, it needs to be. And if you haven't worked with that person before, then you're taking a huge risk. And I tend to know people or, you know, my friends and people around me, we tend to have really similar, um, have your skills. So I don't know a lot of people with the sort of complementary or opposite skills to mine, you know, and of course they're out there, they exist, but it's about finding them. And so I sort of said, okay, what can I do then on my own as a side project to my job? Um, so that was sort of the first thing. And then I said, okay, well, what? yeah, I know that I want to create a wellness brand with, um, you know, I've got a, a product plan, but what could I start with? What could I do on my own? And what do I love? Because in the end, the wellness brand that I set out to create are products that I use and love and I'm obsessed with. That's basically the, the criteria. Um, and I would go to India and then bring back like 50 tongue cleaners and give them to friends as presents. And they always love them because, you know, you know, people are privileged enough to pretty much sort of, um, you know, in Paris, we can sort of buy what we want and, you know, gifting someone in their thirties who's, who can basically, you know, buy whatever they want for themselves. It gets more complicated. So this was always a really cute gift. It was a good conversation starter. It was something that most people didn't have. And it was something that I just loved. And so, um, yeah, I sat down and I thought about it and I thought, man, maybe <laughs> this is my product. This is what I want to do because when someone would get me onto the topic of tongue cleaning, I just couldn't shut up. Like, I mean, a little bit like this monologue that I've just <laughs> started here right now. Um, and so that's how I decided, okay, it has to be a tongue cleaner. And then coming from a marketing and a branding background, I said, okay, well, even if maybe the intention is to do um, different types of products, I think that I want to launch a brand around a tongue cleaner because it it's something that isn't that common. It's something that I need to educate a lot about. It needs to be put in its own little mini spotlight. It needs to have tongue cleaner in the name. Um, all those sort of different reasons as to why then 
this little sort of, yeah, this mini uh, brand or dedicated to tongue cleaning was born. And yeah, voila, that's how I ended up here. I totally hear you. And I think that there's a huge space for it. Um, it makes me think back to um, when I, I had gotten my first tongue cleaner actually at Le Tigre, but it was not, mm-hmm. I don't think many people really knew exactly what it was. And it was kind of just sitting there on the desk. Yeah. And, um, and the funny thing about it is, is I remember um, then interviewing um, Benedicte Berger, who is a writer for Vanity Fair. And she talked about this as part of her routine. And then talking with some of my friends who listened to the podcast and they were like, oh my gosh, I really want to get a tongue cleaner. Um, I don't know where to get it. And, and me being like, I got one at Le but I don't know if they still have it. I'll see. And now, now I, and then I noticed your product come on the market because I started seeing like at Mir Studio, at Le Tigre, at all these places I really like and that know what they're doing. They had it. And also the, the thing is, is I still have my t- old, the other tongue cleaner, which I actually ended up um, giving to my boyfriend, who is not somebody who would like take up a task easily either. Um, he's totally addicted. Yeah. I mean, men, men are about 25% of my clientele. Um, and I mean, even I got my dad on it and he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't even know what yoga is like. <laughs> it's really, has no clue. So it's really something, yeah, that, for everyone. And that uh, I think a lot of men seem to be a little bit more conscious of breath like um the fact and and like the benefit the immediate benefit of the fact that it gives you better breath um and women it's a little bit more of a wellness tool angle but yeah it's amazing because it's kind of for everyone and yeah they've they've linked so many things not to be in that whole like scare tactic zone um and that's why i try and keep the brand sort of fun and light but yeah like overgrow like a, a, a oral microbiome that's out of balance it's got too much, much bad bacteria in there too much plaque cavities infections all that like gum inflammation that you know almost everybody has low-grade inflammation like that in the mouth over a long long time that leads to real problems the mouth is really like that canary in the coal mine that tells you your body is telling you stuff before it then develops into a bigger problem so that routine of oil pulling, like tongue scraping, all that stuff. Amazing. Love it. The, I think it, it's so hard to keep up like a, a solid routine of multiple, multiple things at the same. I totally agree with you that tongue, um, tongue scraping is such an easy way to start. I know you're also a yoga teacher. At what point did you decide to do your training and is teaching yoga something part of something that you do regularly? So I just, I wanted to do a yoga teacher training for a long time. Um, and I, you know, in France, we're really lucky enough to have that, um, you know, to have the five weeks vacation and to potentially be able to take off a big chunk of that in August, um, depending on your industry. And so you kind of set up to be able to do it because I know that in other places, it's really hard to get that type of time off. Um, but I just didn't feel like I was good enough at yoga. Even if I've been doing it for a long time, I don't do it. I'm not that regular person in the class with the same teacher that, 
um, you know, I, I love to go to all different studios. I won't be super regular with my practice. I'll do it at home and in other studios. So it's been years and years that I've practiced, but I've never been super disciplined about it. Um, and so I just, you know, I thought I had to be the best person in the room to be able to go to a teacher training. Um, and then at some point it was when I had decided to leave my job and dedicate, uh, no, it was actually, yeah, it was when I decided to leave fashion and I was about to start, um, a job in the beauty industry. And it was really sort of that point, 10 years working in fashion. And I just thought I need a bit of a change. I need a shift. I know that one day I want to launch my own brand. So I want to have experience in, in more of a sort of, um, beauty space. So that was a big like cut for me and a big turning point in, in my career. And I thought this is the time where I'm going to get the, you know, the time off, um, or, you know, a better chunk than just the August vacation. And I should stop being scared. I need to let go of that stuff that's holding me back. Who cares if I'm not the best? Also in the meantime, so many yoga trainings have opened up that are so obviously not geared just to people who want to be full-time yoga teachers, right? Because it's an amazing way to just deepen your practice. It's a great experience. And so when those types of training started to become more available in the last few years, I thought, okay, yeah, this is for me now. And so I used that opportunity between jobs to go to Bali um, and and not have it be a really rushed experience, you know? So I stayed for under I think it was six, six weeks, um, and did this amazing training that I just so highly recommend for anyone. I, I mean, I definitely was a long way from being the best in the class. I wasn't the worst, but no one, I mean, I say that, but no one was looking at your level. Like it wasn't, it was really about becoming a teacher. It wasn't about being a student. So I need to be a better yoga student. That's some, that's one of my goals, but teaching is a completely different skill, right? Um, so while I need to work on my own, my strength postures, it doesn't mean I can't teach a good class. Does that make sense? Like, you know, public speaking, holding space, creating a sequence, um, creating a connection with your students, wanting, you know, the act of wanting to pass on something to teach something. I love that. And so I actually found that I really do love teaching, even though, you know, on a personal level, I need to get my, my practice even more up to scratch. Um, so yeah. And so since then I, yeah, I went into it just wanting it to be more of a personal thing to deepen my practice. Then I found, I really did love the teaching side. And so since then I have taught, but it's really, um, it's not, it's not going to be my, you know, a big part of my career. It's a compliment to what I do. So, um, I'm not teaching in studios or on a regular basis. I'll teach for, you know, special events or, um, you know, private classes or, um, yeah, or for things to do with my brand or things like that. And I love it when I do it. Um, it's very, very cool. And it's very empowering. Um, because I think at, any age, but you know, when you're, I don't even know how many out, years out of school I am, I don't even want to calculate, but when you've, you know, you graduate a long, long time ago, learning a whole new skill is really cool. It's really, really empowering. So I would highly recommend it to anyone.
You've done it too, yeah? Yeah, I've done it too. And I think what you said is really interesting because I think that um, me doing a, a teacher training was a really big eye-opener to my practice because I, I'm a total Sagittarius perfectionist, um, like Aries rising. Like I like to be the star of the show and realize in my training that it's so not about that. And it didn't matter who was the best in the class at all and who had the strongest practice at all. It was sure. really good for my ego actually to like realize like actually yoga is not about that. And, um, and it actually really changed my relationship with yoga because now when I do the, when I do yoga, it's less of, it's more like I'm really dedicating that time to myself as opposed to trying to show something, do some kind of show because that's totally not what yoga is about. And I mean, that's a whole nother t- podcast. Well, I think that that's what's so cool about it. It's so multifaceted. It's so, there are so many layers to it that you can take it as a physical practice and only that. And that's great. And, you know, it's, as you say, it's, it's great for some people. And then- if for you, that's an easy way, you as in anyone, if, if it's an easy way for someone to do physical exercise because they enjoy doing yoga, that's great. Exactly. I totally agree with you. But it's, it's, you know, it is a physical exercise that comes with this whole amazing, like, mythology and history and uh, spirituality and song. And I mean, there are just like so many types and layers and stories and uh, culture associated with this thing. But that's why it's just so fascinating. And I think that it's only going to get bigger and bigger. I totally agree with you. And well, one thing I want to definitely touch on is I feel like all of a sudden a tongue cleaner changed my life is everywhere. I mean, (laughs) has it felt that way for you? Has it been a long time coming? Like how has the entrepreneur experience been through your eyes? It's amazing because what I wanted to find through it was my first criteria sort of was freedom in that I I just wanted to be independent. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to create something um, by myself. And I wanted to get out of that sort of, um, even though all my experiences were positive in my, in my jobs. Yeah, into that like boss-employee relationship because you were talking about Sagittarius before and, and being a perfectionist. I'm someone who really likes to please and I would be that last person at night in the office like every night just always on overdrive always working too much in this constant need to sort of be this golden employee that I knew wasn't healthy or even necessary but that's just kind of how I am and so I you know I thought well it may as well be for my own project and also maybe I can teach myself to work in in a more balanced way and um, and yeah, I wanted, I wanted to, I think it's a life experience. As I said, I like to try anything once. So I thought, you know, okay, this has to, I'll regret it if I don't try. Um, and so it's been a long time coming just because it's been, it, it's had so many iterations of, oh, I'm going to launch, you know, this bigger brand and I'm going to find someone. And then I didn't. And then, so, but from the moment I decided to do the tongue cleaner and to like go full guns blazing, Um, it was very difficult in the beginning just because it was a side project to work. And anyone who's done that knows that that means it gets about 10 minutes on a Sunday night (laughs) and then that's all. And so 
it was really slow and that's really frustrating. Um, but amazing in the sense that you're suddenly responsible for, you know, when you're in a, in a, in a brand, you have usually responsibility over one, um, area. And here, you know, I've got logistics, accounting, production, um, every aspect of the business when you're alone, of course, is your responsibility. So it's really cool. At times it's difficult. Yeah, my main challenge right now is deciding how to scale in a way that, um, yeah, in the smartest way possible. It's like, do I dedicate, what do I dedicate my time to and what should I outsource? Or I just keep thinking, you know, the perfect partner or person is kind of going to land in my lap and then it's just all going to be butterflies and rainbows and it'll happen like that. But um, it hasn't yet. And, you know, I'm, I would love to just kind of fall upon an amazing product developer or a growth expert or someone like that who wants to get on board and things just happen naturally. But, you know, when that doesn't happen, it's you kind of feel like I think all entrepreneurs can maybe relate. You're kind of stumbling in the darkness. You're Googling everything from zero for things you don't know how to do. I, I wouldn't give the sort of freedom of it up for anything. And I've tried to stay really, really sort of nimble and agile in the way that I've created this so that I don't have to be in a specific place, um, work from a specific place all the time and don't have a lot of responsibility of employees, obviously, yet and things like that. And I'd like to keep it as slim as possible for as long as possible, um, because I guess I'm just still in that phase of post-employment where I'm really enjoying that sort of freedom aspect. So my last couple of questions have to do with you. Um, I'd love to know about some of your routines. I love that you said it's hard for you to keep up with routines because that's so human. And we're all, I think, usually going through that. But do you have anything besides tongue scraping that is a must? Yes. I mean, I do. I sit. I find it hard to pick up certain types of routines, but then for other things, I will like latch on immediately and I, and I become obsessed. Um, so let me think about the morning. Uh, I, yeah, my motto is like wake scrape. So scraping is the first thing I do. Um, because otherwise when you, when you wake up, you start to produce more saliva in the mouth and that's going to start to wash the bacteria back down into your body. And so that's really the first thing you should do. Then I do, um, it's kind of a bit useless on a podcast because I do this really weird detox technique, um, that sort of loosens the mucus in your nose and throat, um, every morning to then sort of like get it out. Sorry, it's super gross, but that's, <laughs> that's now my niche is to talk about mucus. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you, you sort of block your ears with your thumbs and then you block your eyes with your index fingers and then you inhale and then you hold your breath for, um, your five, six seconds and then you exhale and then sorry, I forgot the nose. You're blocking your nose as well with your third fingers. You unblock the nose, you open your eyes. And then the last thing you do is like pop your thumbs and you open your ears. And that, don't ask me the science behind it. It's amazing. You need to blow your nose immediately. It's, I think once you get used to doing it, you can sort of feel the reaction in the back of your throat and it sort of, it's a bit of a gag reflex. 
and you get out mucus. And so I'm all about like the thing that I will not change ever that I do really every day is this whole sort of wake up and let's get all the crap out that your body has worked so hard to sort of detox itself overnight, right? Because it's your body. It's who is the one who is really doing the detox. Um, but it's how do you assist that when you wake up to make sure you sort of start every day in a clean slate. Yeah, I'll skip past the whole like toilet thing because it's, it's not the sexiest, but like really important to like go every day in the morning. Um, in Ayurveda, that's really what is um, advised. And it kind of, you have a whole different day if you did or didn't go to the bathroom in the morning, if you know what I mean. And your, your colon has, a, has a, like an internal type of clock, right? So you can train yourself to go at the same time every day. So super important. Um, and then I do, if, you know, to be really honest, daily exercise in the morning, that's like my life goal. And that's something that I would love to do. And I just haven't found that discipline to do it. I generally like in between eating well, working hard and working out, I can get two out of the three but I almost never get three out of three. So I'll go through a phase where I'm like working out a lot and eating well, but then that's a holiday. Like I'll be on holiday, you know, I won't be working or I'll be working really hard and I'll be eating really well and I just won't be finding time to get the sport in. So um, I would love to say that I do all three perfectly, but I don't. So what I do do though, just in terms of movement in the morning is spinal waving. So I do like maybe not even five minutes, but roughly five minutes of spinal waving, just because I sit down most of the day and keeping that mobility in the spine, uh, you know, as we get older is so important. So that looks like basically doing, I don't know, do you remember like the dolphin move? Um, like, you know, when you're dancing to R&B and you're kind of like, yeah, you're basically just waving your spine in one direction. And then in the opposite direction, which is kind of like the movement of throwing up, like where your shoulders round yeah. and come down in front of you. That's the other direction. And there are lots of different like variations on spinal waves. So I do that. And then I get on my mat and I roll around on my fascia balls. So my yoga teacher, um, they like, they're kind of like um, the size of tennis balls. And they're just the right um, firmness. Okay, so just for the listeners, like fascia is this sort of connective tissue that surrounds all of your muscles, but that even runs in through your muscles. And it's a whole system that's really tied to the nervous system. And that's sort of what you're working on when you're doing yin yoga is this, um, yeah, trying to de-harden your fascia because it can come, become really stiff and the aim is to keep it supple and elastic. Um, and so again, because I tend to sort of slouch over when I work on my computer, um, yes. my sort of mid back area, you know, has these really sort of hard bits of fascia. And so I roll around on these balls every morning. It's amazing. Um, and then for breakfast, I just make sure I have breakfast. I think that was one of the most game-changing things in my health in recent years in that I did the whole intermittent fasting thing. I did the whole I'm too busy for breakfast thing. And then I did the whole I'm Parisian and Parisians don't eat breakfast anyway thing. And so for a long time, I didn't eat breakfast. Then I would find myself just totally crashing at like 4 p.m. Um, wanting sugar wanting like mountains of sugar 
um, just not feeling, yeah, great in general and a bit wiry, a bit all over the place. And vatas especially, again, the Ayurvedic, back to the Ayurvedic dosha, like really shouldn't skip meals. It's so easy for someone like me to skip a meal. I don't get hangry. I don't need to like have that feeling like I need to eat. But when I do, I just have a different day. I'm a lot more grounded. Um, in the end, coming back to sort of three simple meals a day and then I have my like snacks I'm obsessed with too, but keeping to healthy snacks is unfortunately not like the anything new, but for me, it's what works. I absolutely adore your routines. And for someone who says that they don't stick to routines, I think you have a pretty solid one. It sounds complicated, but all this takes like, you know, uh, like 20 minutes. And it's, and it's, what I loved is that, you know, you really shared something that's unique. You know, that's one thing that I think is just so important for people to keep in mind is that like everyone is so different and like not everyone's body is made to drink, you know, like the lemon squeezies and the hot water. And some people, some people don't eat breakfast and some people need breakfast. I know if I don't eat breakfast, I'm going to like pass out at 11. My, but my realization with that is that I can easily skip breakfast and so can a lot of people. But is it really doing you good? And uh, to your point, yes, it will be doing good for some people who need to keep things lighter. But then for others, yeah, maybe not the best thing. Well, that is a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your secrets, your story. It's been a pleasure, Monique. Same here. It's been really fun. Thank you so much. I did.